Good morning, my dear friends of St. Luke's. Each week, uh, on Friday or Saturday, I'm at St. Luke's with my partner, Joe Greiner, where we enter the parish hall with sacks of canned goods and put them away so another volunteer can make up individual bags of groceries to be distributed on Tuesday morning. Joe goes through the mail that's collected in Michael's office and pulls out the items that are addressed to our clients, most of whom use 20 University Avenues as their mailing address. Then we check the garden, the hanging ferns. I put the canned goods on the shelves. Sometimes there's a small group, three or four women at our picnic table if it's near noon. They work in nearby businesses and they use our garden and its peaceful atmosphere for their luncheon place. We always wave and, and say hello at a distance. But St. Luke's looks lonely and vulnerable. And so are we. And once in a while I slip into the sacristy this week to get this green stole. And our sanctuary is quiet, beautiful. I'm always strengthened in spirit. And know that we will, maybe in a year, all be in there with bells on, rejoicing together. I enter by myself, but there's a sense that I'm not alone. But today, I'm in my own house, preaching to an orchid, thinking of today's lessons and hoping that my thoughts about them can be of some use to all of us. Each of today's three readings is among the more famous stories of the Bible. Jacob's controversy with his brother Esau's a long saga in the Jewish scriptures. And in this section, Jacob's hurrying off to attempt a peaceful reconciliation with Esau. But his motivation for stopping alone on one side of the river and sending the family, servants, flocks on ahead, not so clear. The stranger, who refuses to give his name and is presumed to be an archangel, uh, is a, challenges Jacob to a wrestling match. And it's goes on almost all night long, and it's physically injurious to Jacob. But it's spiritually a kind of a victory, since he emerges having held his own. And the place of his hand-to-hand compact is given a special name, Peniel, and Jacob limps on to join his entourage, family, servants, flocks, and so on. Jacob had a seemingly impossible challenge. He's alone, separated from his comrades and family. He knows they're safe, but they're on the other side of the river. We're, at present, each of us, in an analogous situation. We want to have confidence that those we love are safely across a dangerous divide. We're willing to face the dangers on our own turf with all our might. And even if we emerge somewhat weakened, we might believe ourselves fortunate to survive with only a limp. The price of our salvation is to give it our best strength, our best resolve. Jacob's opponent refused to be identified. And we all know well what it's like to battle an unknown adversary. We look forward to the new day's dawning when we can rejoin all those we treasure in a new kind of promised land and be reconciled with those from whom we've been separated. And then in the epistle, 
To Jesus' followers in Rome, Paul rejoices in his own beliefs and writes that he would have give up even his own salvation if he could bring belief in the godliness and divinity of Jesus to others. He despairs of those who reject their own Messiah. With Paul, we're asked to learn of our own salvation. We're offered the faith and wisdom of somebody who's given up his own entitled position to enter on a new undertaking of selfless dedication, advocacy, these are challenging offerings. I suppose we can't expect to rise to the level of self-sacrifice that Paul offers to his fledgling Christians of Rome, but what do we have, what we do have reveal and demonstrate to the possible allies around us? How far are we willing to go to bring the light of Jesus to a dark place? Are we willing to give up anything to save others? Paul pleads with those who belong to the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the law, the worship, and the promises. He preaches to his own people. How do we answer an offer like Paul's? Both Jacob and Paul take stands that are extreme. Jacob sends the family to safely so that he can battle an overpowering supernatural opponent. It may be confusing to think of an archangel as an opponent. But in the battle for salvation, we see that the stakes are always high. Paul offers his own salvation for the conversion of others. Another rather extreme sacrifice. We also find ourselves in an extreme confrontation. We feel that we are risking our lives each day. Our opponent seems of supernatural power. And we know we may have to risk everything. The gospel story today is a familiar story of feeding the multitude. And what can this have to do with the sacrifices and battles we heard about in the earlier readings? The readings, as you know, assigned each Sunday are in the lectionary of the church, and they often have easily visible connections. Actually, it's not so easy this Sunday. And about feeding of the multitude, I confess I felt I had little new to add. One of the most famous stories in the Bible, even people who've never heard much of anything else about the Bible know about the loaves and fishes. I tried to visualize the scene of this gathering. Some people dismiss the data as exaggeration. Some say it was just sharing. Some insist that Jesus turned five loaves and two fish into a meal for possibly 10,000 people. The crowd is described as, quote, 5,000 men besides women and children, unquote. I've always presumed that the women and children were fed too. Years ago in a novel titled The Robe, this miracle was explained as a move by everyone who had brought something to eat to share their food. That makes sense. And I realize that great generosity may, in fact, be the miracle of the story. We're looking here at a crowd of people under domination by a foreign power. They probably work hard to earn enough to feed their own families. 
They yearn for help, for guidance, for something to be hopeful about. Offering to share a simple meal may well have been a sacrifice. Yet the spirit of love infused in them by the teachings of Jesus prevailed. The sharing and cooperation of the multitude is exactly what our whole nation and the whole world needs right now. The cautions and behaviors of all the world will either nourish everyone or leave thousands hungering for safety and health. Today, we hear three great assurances of our faith. Like Jacob, we can fight for our beliefs and win our right to cross the river and rejoin all that we cherish. With Paul, we can offer to others the good news of salvation, even if it means, means we must give up some of our own advantages. And we also learn that sharing what we have freely should be our own response to the Jesus who ordered Peter in another text to feed my sheep. Salvation in these terms may sound simple, but simple's not necessarily easy. Today's readings reinforce some elemental tenets of our faith. Fight the battles you must, offer the good news of Christ to others, even if you must sacrifice something of your own. Keep in mind the basics of human need, the loaves and fishes, of course, but also well beyond. Be ready to share what you have with those who have little. Safety, health, dignity, friendship, love. Social distancing need not be social isolation. Write, call, text, Skype, Zoom with those who are alone. Not loaves and fish, but it's concern, friendship, conversation, and those are all nourishing. If you are alone, remember that you are loved. If you are sheltered with others, be sure they know every day that you love them. Today's readings remind us that we are never alone in this worldwide combat, never alone in our sometimes tenuous grasp of faith, never alone in our spiritual hunger. Stay safe, stay faithful, stay well. Dear friends, I love you. Amen. <laughs>